0: We're working from Luke's Gospel, Uh, still on a Sunday morning, and we're going to read now from Luke chapter twelve and verses thirty-five to forty-eight. A passage all about being ready for the for Christ's return, uh, for His second coming. So, beginning in Luke chapter twelve and verse thirty-five. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, And begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know, and did what deserved a beating, will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Amen. <coughs> Pics in Seoul. On the other side of the world. I was a big athletics fan at age nine. I still quite enjoy it. And I really wanted to see the 100 metres final with Linford Christie and Carl Lewis uh, and Ben Johnson. Uh, I I was desperate to see it. Because of the time difference, though, it was on at some ridiculous hour of the night. I can't remember the exact time, but to a small child it was late. (laughs) It really was. Uh, But I was determined to do it, and I managed to persuade my dad uh, that he would let me. uh, And I could stay up. Uh, I do remember, though, until the event actually came on, and I was wide awake when it was on, but up to that point I was really struggling. Uh, even the men's hockey final uh, couldn't really keep me awake. I was struggling. It was a real effort to stay alert. Uh, thankfully, it wouldn't have been the end of the world, would it, if I hadn't managed it. I could have seen a replay the next day. It would have been all right. It wouldn't have mattered if I'd fallen asleep on the sofa. It wasn't life or death. Uh, with some things though, it really does matter though, doesn't it? about staying awake and staying alert. If I can give another example of something that is important that people stayed awake and alert for, Uh, think of those whose job it was during the Second World War uh, to watch for German bombers appearing over the city. That was their task, uh, to be alert, to be ready for action when they arrived. Uh, They had to stay awake. Uh, They had to be alert. So that they could sound the alarm uh, when the Luftwaffe came overhead uh, to blitz the cities. It really mattered that they were ready. Uh, This passage in Luke this morning is about being alert uh, and being ready. Not being alert to watch a sporting event, not even being alert and ready for an air raid. Rather it's about being alert and being ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, when he comes again. And the passage that we have in front of us this morning, it describes two basic categories of people uh, when it comes to being ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Very simply, those categories are made up on the one hand of those who are ready, and on the other hand of those who aren't. Uh, that second category, those who aren't, uh, is then split into three more categories, uh, and we'll come to those later. But the point of this passage this morning, the point of this message is this. Make sure that right now you're in the category of those who are ready for Jesus' return. You don't know when he's coming again, so be ready. If you are ready, there are great things to look forward to. There really are. If you're not ready though, then there is nothing to look forward to apart from Christ's judgment. And that will be a fearful thing. Our first point this morning uh, is from verses 39 and 40. I'm not going to take the verses in the exact order they come. We're going to look at verses 39 and 40 first of all. And the point is this. You don't know when Jesus is coming again. So be ready now. You don't know when he's coming again, so be ready uh, now. It's almost uh, 2,000 years, isn't it, since Jesus Christ uh, was born on this earth, lived on this earth, uh, died on this earth, rose again on this earth, and then returned to heaven and his Father's right hand. Uh, 2,000 years seems like a long time, doesn't it? Uh, It seems to us uh, like an absolute eternity. Uh, We only live to, well... 80 is life expectancy roughly in this country. Uh, If God smiles upon you, you might live a bit longer. You might even reach 100. Uh, But because of that, 2,000 years seems an awfully long time when the the maximum we can hope to live to really is about 80. Uh, Maybe that does lead to us becoming rather laid back when it comes to the Bible's prediction that one day Jesus will return. He will physically return to judge the earth. We can be laid back because we can say, well, come on, 2,000 years, all that time. It's never going to happen, is it? That's the general attitude of anyone who hears about Jesus coming again. Don't be ridiculous. If it was going to happen, it would have happened by now. Now, that tends to be our problem. Uh, The early church had a different expectation. Uh, They thought that Jesus would return in their own lifetime, it would seem, many of them. They really did expect a very immediate return. Uh, But Jesus' words in verse 40, what do they remind us of? What did they remind those early church people of then? They remind us that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, another name for him, is coming at an hour you do not expect. You don't know. We don't know when he's coming back. It could be any time. So he says in verse 40, you must be ready. You must be ready. 2,000 years might seem like a long time to us. How long do you suppose it seems to God? It's a drop in the ocean to a God who has existed for all eternity. (laughs) It's not long at all. He is coming again. We should be in no doubt about that. Uh, Although there are many people who don't believe Jesus will return, uh, there are plenty of us who do though, aren't there? I want to emphasize another trap we can fall into here, and we have to be careful about it. We have to be careful not to try and predict when Jesus will come again. And we may say there are certain things yet to happen before it will come, but we mustn't try and predict exactly when it will be. We mustn't. Uh, every now and again you have Christian leaders or cult leaders, don't you, who try and predict an exact time and date for Jesus' return. Um, the Jehovah's Witnesses have done it quite a few times. They've tried to say, this is when he's going to come. And it's never happened. They don't know. Uh, If you've got a good memory, you might remember back to last summer, there was one guy who hit the headlines for his prediction that Christ was going to return uh, on the 21st of May 2011. He was a 90-year-old American preacher called Harold Camping. Well, Jesus didn't return on the 21st of May 2011. He should never have tried to predict it. And people shouldn't have believed him when he said this is when he will come. We don't know when Jesus' second coming will be. We really don't. No one knows the day of his return. He says in verse 38, we thought about it in the children's talk, his return will be as unexpected as when a thief breaks into your house in the middle of the night. thief doesn't tell you when he's going to come and break into your house, does he? You might get the odd film where it's fantasy and I'm going to make a challenge for myself. I'll tell them when I'll come and then I'll still do it anyway. But that isn't reality, is it? Thieves don't tell you when they're going to break into their house. The best thing to do, the wise thing to do, is to make sure that the alarm is always on. And you're always ready just in case the thief tries to break into your house. Well, In the same way Jesus says, you don't know when he's coming again. So be ready now. Now, To go back uh, to earlier in Luke, uh, this particular chapter in verse 20. You don't know when your soul will be required of you. You don't know when you will die. God knows, but you don't. You don't know when you will come face to face with God, be it because of your own death or Christ's return. Be ready now, because it will be too late if you leave it to after you die or to when Christ returns. You must be ready. Let's look at at what being ready looks like then. And then we'll look at what it looks like not to be ready. Uh, A couple of things uh, to note as we work through uh, our next two points, being ready and not being ready. Uh, First of all, in in the verses that we read, uh, right through these verses, uh, Jesus is speaking um, with picture language. Uh, And one picture that he uses is that of the Master. Uh, And all the way through these verses, the master uh, is a picture of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus talks about the master, uh, he's talking about himself. Uh, The only exception to that rule is in verse 39, uh, where the master of the house isn't representing Jesus there. In that verse, the thief is a picture of Jesus, in that Jesus comes unexpectedly. Uh, But the rest of the time, uh, the master is Jesus. Secondly, uh, servants in these verses... Uh, Servants in these verses represent all human beings. Uh, Not just in these verses believers. Uh, Not just genuine Christians. Uh, Some of the servants here are genuine believers. Uh, Genuine believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're the ones who are alert and who are ready But some of the servants in these verses, we will find, are not genuine believers. Uh, They're the ones who are not ready. Uh, Christ is the master of all people, whether they acknowledge him or not. In that sense, everyone is his servant. It's a question of whether they will acknowledge him as his master. Uh, It can be a little confusing because most of the time in the Bible, when someone is described as a servant of, of Jesus, it means that they're a believer not necessarily in this passage slight difference here to normal uh, with that in mind though let's let's look at our second point our second point is this a believing servant is ready and is eager to serve and will end up being served by the master a believing servant is ready and eager to serve and will end up being served Uh, By the master. So what does a genuine believer look like then? What sort of attitude will they have on Jesus' return at any time? Because they're always ready. Well, verses 35 to 38 tell us, don't they? This person will be about their master's service. Ready and waiting to serve. Uh, Jesus tells a parable here. uh, A story with a meaning. uh, And it shows the importance of being ready for his return. He begins in verse 35 by saying, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. In other words, make sure you're dressed for work uh, and uh, you've got all the kit you need to do your job ready at hand. So you can pick it up as you need it. He goes on to say then, Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him and at once... Uh, Sorry, that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Uh, The true Christian, then, the true believer, the true servant, they never forget that they are Jesus' servant and that they're in his service and they're always, therefore, ready, eager, willing to serve. Uh, They are eager to do so, is the force of these verses. They're looking out for the opportunity to do it, aren't they? They're there with their work clothes still on. They're there with their lamps still burning. They're listening for the knock at the door, for the first opportunity to serve. When will we be here so I can serve? Uh, these servants here in this parable, you couldn't describe them as lethargic or laid back or lazy, could you? They're eager. They're ready. They're willing. There's no attitude of, well, we'll just put our feet up and chill out here. That's not what Jesus is describing, is it, in a a genuine believer and servant? Not at all. They're, They're ready to leap into action the moment they hear that first knock on the door. The moment the master arrives, they're going to be serving. There's a sense of urgency in this. It matters to them. And they're diligent about it. Uh, Again, in the context of the Second Coming, uh, Peter in 2 Peter 3 uh, writes that a Christian who is waiting for the return of the Lord, what will characterize them? Well, they'll be seeking to live a life that is holy, a life that is godly, in light of the fact that Christ is returning. That will characterize them. Again, it's something of urgency to them, it's something important. It's a be like this right now kind of thing. Let me ask you a question then if you're a believer or or count yourself a believer this morning. If Jesus was to have returned, I don't know, yesterday or Friday, would he have found you serving? Eager to serve? Ready to serve? About serving him? Would he have found you like that? Because that is Christ's description here of a genuine servant who loves him and follows him. If you are a Christian, then you have abundant motivation to be like that, don't you? You really do. To serve the Lord Jesus Christ. What do I mean by saying that? Well, If you're a Christian, the Lord Jesus Christ has already served you in the most amazing, incredible, and wonderful way. How has He served you if you're a Christian already? He gave His life for you, He died for you. I have to remind myself constantly of that. It's wonderful. What a motivation to serve him. He has served you by taking the form of a servant. Philippians 2. By humbling himself to the point of death. Not just death. Even death on a cross. The most shameful, painful, horrible, humiliating death you can imagine. He did that in service of you. The Lord of all the universe. Who made you. And who you rebelled against. The one to whom you are completely answerable, what did he do? He offered himself up in love for you. If you claim that he has done that for you, I hope you can claim that he has done that for you. How can you not serve him? How can you not? If you don't desire to, then my guess is you've forgotten what he's done for you. And it needs to hit you afresh. And it needs to impact you uh, afresh. If he has done that for you and you are aware of all that that means, it will be your delight to serve him in actual fact. It will be the, the desire, the great desire of your heart to serve him. Uh, You will consider it, I hope, an honour, a real honour to serve the one who has given his life for you in such a humbling, loving, and sacrificial way. If that desire then to serve him for what he has done has gone, has disappeared. I don't want to try and motivate you to do it by giving you more law. I suspect that will not work. But I do want to remind you of all that Christ has done for you. In giving himself for you. And I want you to to ask him that he would remind you. That he would bring it to your heart afresh. Just what he's done. that your heart will again be aflame for Him. Pray that prayer. Ask forgiveness of a cold heart if that's the problem. Of sin if that's crept in somewhere and that's the problem. Turn again to Christ and just be in awe and wonder of what He's done. And then seek to serve Him. To love Him. Pray that He would open your sleepy eyes to see the cross and Christ's blood shed for you. Ask that he would make you a good and faithful servant. There's one wonderful, incredible motivation for for serving the Lord Jesus now. But there's another in these verses. Look at verse 37. Blessed are those servants whom the Master finds awake When he comes. Are you awake? Or are you asleep? Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake. When he comes. Truly I say to you. He. That's the master. Will dress himself for service. And have them. That's the servants. Recline at table. And he will come and serve them. Our Lord Jesus Christ. He is king of kings. And lord of lords. Yet he is the king who does what? who serves his people. And for his people, he will serve them through all eternity, he says. (laughs) He will welcome them into that heaven, that new creation. And we read here, he will serve them. He will dress himself for service, and he will serve them. That's not to say we won't be worshipping him. We will. (laughs) But he will serve us too. Uh, It's an incredible picture, isn't it? Typically a master of the house returning home late at night and and finding his servants ready to serve would be pleased. Of course he would. And and then he would sit down and let them get on with serving him. But Jesus says when he returns, those who are ready to serve, who are eager to serve, what will he do? He'll serve them. What a blessing. What grace. What undeserved love Jesus shows to his people from beginning to end. He's the servant king. So make sure then that, that you're one of his people, that you're trusting him, following him, serving him. Make sure that that is characteristic of you. But of course in these verses, uh, Jesus only does, doesn't only sorry, describe what a servant who is a genuine Christian looks like. He also describes servants who are not Christians at all. They're not believers at all. Uh, this is our third and final point. An unbelieving servant does not serve and will end up being beaten by the master. An unbelieving servant does not serve and will end up being beaten uh, by the master. Point three sounds terribly lacking in political correctness there, doesn't it? How can you say that? How can you say that Jesus will beat people when he comes again? (laughs) Uh, Well, That's because it's what Jesus says in these verses, isn't it? I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. This is what he says. Uh, Jesus is not someone to be messed with. He's not at all. We are answerable to him. All of us are answerable to him. And it's lethal to cross him. Uh, In verses... 42 to 44, first of all, Jesus actually says a little more about faithful and wise servants. Now, these are believers who show themselves in this life to be good servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, they are given responsibility in serving uh, the wider church. Just as an aside, the best way of identifying church leaders, elders, deacons, and so on is what? Well, look to see if they're already serving. Uh, They're the ones who are then put in positions of of oversight and so on. But from verse 45 onwards, uh, we move into descriptions of servants who are not uh, genuine believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and who are not seeking uh, to serve him. As I said earlier, Jesus is still their master in the sense that he's the master of all. He's the Lord of the universe and all he has made. But these ones do not acknowledge him. Or serve him as their master. There is a grading uh, of these false servants. We move from those who are deserving of the greatest punishment. And they will receive the greatest punishment. To those who are still deserving of punishment. But it will not be so great. There is that grading there. But make no mistake. We don't want to find ourselves in any of these three categories. None of them. Uh, avoid them all. Go to the, the very first category, of the genuine servant. Let's look at these uh, three different types, though. First category of false servants is verses 45 and 46. I'll just read them again. Jesus says, But if that servant says to himself, uh, My master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant Will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he does not know. And what will he do? And He will cut him in pieces. And put him with the unfaithful. Pretty strong language. Uh, Jesus is not to be crossed. He returns to judge. And what sort of person is, is actually being described here. In these two verses. Well it's the sort of person who has heard the Gospel, who has heard Jesus' words, who has heard the command of Christ to seek His forgiveness and to follow Him in a life of service to Christ and to others, yet goes away and does the very opposite. They've heard the commands of Christ but they go away and do the opposite. Instead of serving their fellow servants That is, other men and women, what do they do? They abuse them, beat them, take advantage of them. Uh, Instead of seeking to live a life of holiness and godliness, what do they do? They overeat, they overdrink, uh, they get drunk. Instead of taking Jesus' warning that he's coming again to judge the earth seriously and to be ready for that, what do they say? They say, no, he's delayed in coming back. I reckon he's not coming at all. I can do whatever I like. And what I like is the thrill of doing wrong. Uh, Is that you this morning? Is that you? I hope not. Because the end there is horrific, isn't it, for you? If that's a description of you. Um, Hell will be worse for you than it is for most. Heard the good news. Heard the command to, to come to Christ, seek his forgiveness and follow him. And you go away and do the opposite. You redouble your efforts to do wrong. Uh, Verse 46, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him in an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. I must point out also that in these verses there is a a strong suggestion uh, that Jesus is largely talking about those who get themselves into positions of leadership in the church. The contrast with the verses just before suggests this. They get themselves into positions of the leadership in the church, but not out of a desire to serve God and to serve his people, but out of a desire for power over others, which they then abuse horribly. There are those who do that. And the end for them will be absolutely unspeakably awful. For those of us who are in leadership, and I realize I'm not talking to everybody here, but I'm talking to myself and and some others. We must make doubly sure, mustn't we, that we are serving, not abusing Christ and his people. For we will receive a harsher judgment if we don't. Uh, Pray then for for those of us in leadership. Pray. It's a weighty responsibility. Uh, These verses make that clear so don't end up in that first category the second category of false servant though is verse 47 I should think if you're not a believer here this morning there's a good chance this category is you if you're not a Christian this is probably you may well be Uh, Jesus describes a servant here who knows his master's will but he just shrugs his shoulders and says "Mm, so what and just continues as they were before doesn 't do what the master says. He shrugs his shoulders, okay, fair enough, I'm not bothered. they don 't come to Jesus forgiveness uh, they don 't resolve to follow him and serve him with their life. Is that you? I know for a fact I'm, yeah, I know for a fact it 's some people in this room this morning. It will be. shrug your shoulders. Have you heard the gospel? Perhaps many times. Have you heard that you've offended God by the way you live, you speak, you act with your life, and that your heart is rotten to the core? That's the bad news part. But have you also heard that even though all of that is true, you're a sinner? God in love has done what? Well, God in love has sent his son. He sent him into this world to die for you, even though you've done nothing but rebel against God. If you will only seek his forgiveness and put your trust in him, then your sins will be dealt with there on the cross and you will be accepted into God's family. Have you heard the call that having trusted in Jesus in that way, you're then to, to commit your life into one of service of him, praising him, worshipping him with your life for what he has done for you. Have you heard all of that but you've shrugged your shoulders and you've walked away or you've blocked your ears, shut your eyes and you won't do it. What does Jesus say to you? Listen, please. What does he say? He says judgment is coming. He says it will be severe. It will be severe. It will be hell and it will last forever, we know from elsewhere in God's Word. Uh, Don't ignore then what's described here as the Master's will. Don't ignore the good news of the Gospel. Uh, don't ignore the good news of, of forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ and the privilege of serving him for the rest of your days. Don't ignore that. The consequences, Jesus says, are dire if you do. Really dire. So please don't. Do what Jesus asks you to do. Graciously asks you to do. Ask him to forgive you. Turn from your sin, ask him to forgive you, and help you to live for him instead of for yourself. You will never ever regret that if you do it. You won't regret it. You will eternally regret it if you don't. Eternity is an awfully long time. And there is a last category of false servant in these verses. Uh, in verse 48. Again I can say with confidence. That this time. It doesn't describe anyone in this room. It doesn't describe anyone in here. It describes the one. Who does not know the master's will. It describes a person. Who has never heard the good news of the gospel. Who has never been exposed to Christ's call. To follow him. And to serve him. Now. Now. There is a possibility that may have been you before you walked in this morning. But you have now heard that Christ is calling you to seek his forgiveness and to serve him. So if you were in that category, you're not anymore. What there are those who have never heard uh, Christ's call to follow him. Well, Jesus says, even they will receive a beating. A light beating, uh, but a beating. They won't avoid Jesus' punishment for their wrongdoing before God. Uh, There are verses that explain this further in God's Word. uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Uh, They explain that those who have not heard the Gospel will still be held accountable for their defiance of God. For their sin, in other words. Uh, God has given everyone, we're told in those verses, a knowledge that He exists. He exists. Everyone knows that God exists, even if some try to suppress that knowledge and try to squash it down within themselves and deny God's existence and say they're atheist. God's Word says, no, everybody is without excuse when it comes to the knowledge of there being a God. They just have to look around them. What's more, he says in chapter 2, God has given everyone a conscience. So that even if they haven't read the Bible or heard the Bible or heard the Gospel, Uh, they still have a sense of what is right and what is wrong. They still have a conscience. But, the Bible says, no one entirely lives up even to their conscience. That God-given sense of right and wrong, we all defy even that. Therefore, Jesus can say here and does say here, judgment is still coming the way of those who haven't heard the gospel. It won't be as severe a judgment as for those who have heard it, but have not believed. But it will be judgment nonetheless. How do you respond to that as a Christian? Well, it should really motivate you to go and tell people the gospel. Tell people about Jesus so that they have the opportunity to avoid God's eternal judgment to know his blessing in Christ, instead of an eternity in hell. Uh, Commenting on these verses, uh, John Piper says this, Though hell is not the same for all, and exists in degrees, any unhappiness that lasts forever is unfathomable. Do you see what he's saying there? Though hell is not the same for all, and exists in degrees, Any unhappiness that lasts forever is unfathomable. In other words, okay, it'll be worse for some than others, but even for the ones for whom it is least worst, if you like, it will still be awful. Let's not see verse 47, those of us who are Christians, as an excuse to leave people in ignorance of the gospel. What a terrible way to react to that verse that would be. That is not Jesus' point. To, to fail to tell people the gospel from a reasoning of, well, if I don't tell them and they never hear, then, then hell won't be so bad for them. And maybe if I did tell them and they weren't converted, it would be worse, so I'll just keep quiet. No, don't respond in that way, please. Tell them of the gospel so that they have the opportunity. Give them that free offer of the gospel so that they have the opportunity to come to Christ, to be saved from their sin, to know an eternity of blessing. Uh, with him. Let's let's draw this passage together, though. Uh, the second half of verse forty-eight, Jesus draws it together for us, doesn't he? He draws it together by saying, "Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more." Uh, you understand what that means, don't you? You get what Jesus is saying there. Uh, you've been given the great privilege of hearing the gospel, and it is a great privilege to have heard it, of hearing the wonderful news of forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to take the punishment for your sin if you will come to him and trust in him and seek his forgiveness. You've been given the opportunity to serve the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of this universe. Don't waste it, Jesus is saying. Don't waste it. Don't throw it away. Take tight hold of it with both hands. And then use every gift that God has given you to serve him. Don't waste it. Be ready for the day when you will face Jesus face to face. It will come much sooner than you think. Much sooner. Make sure that for you, it's a day of joy. It's a day of blessing. As Jesus invites you to that feasting table that he describes in those verses in this chapter. He welcomes you to it. He sits you down. He puts on the robes of service and he serves you. And he says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Wouldn't you love to hear that welcome into heaven? You can. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him. Give your life to him. Let's close by singing.